0: Dom kicked off a new series last week, and uh, we're in the second week of this series now. And as Brian just said, the title of the series is For Such a Time as This, Hidden Treasures from the Cave of Quarantine. If you haven't listened to last week's message, you can go online to our sermons page and listen to that. Uh, The title of this series is, of course, from the book of Esther. And we know that Esther's cousin Mordecai exhorts Esther to abandon her selfish thinking and to embrace the strange and difficult season that God had placed her in, And if you've read the book of Esther, you know that Esther chooses to discover and cling to the divine in the midst of this crazy disruption in her life. And as she obeys God, uh, she ends up saving the Jewish people from a horrible plot to destroy them. So we're going to be spending the next several weeks exploring what it looks like for us to search for the hidden treasures in the midst of this current season. Of disruption and quarantine in our life and in our culture. God has a plan and God has a purpose for us in this season, for such a time as this. So today's sermon is entitled, Thankfulness in Barrenness. Thankfulness in Barrenness. And we'll be reading from Habakkuk chapter three. And it's really that this text is gonna be a backdrop to serve as a backdrop. Habakkuk chapter three, starting in verse 17. It reads, even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there's no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crops fail and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I'm joyful in the God of my salvation. Church, let's ask the Lord for a joyful, thankful heart as we open his word this morning. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you, and rejoice today, God, that you are faithful, and that you are loving and good, and that you have a plan for our lives, and a plan for our church, and the church, even in this season. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would lead us, and direct our hearts, and our minds, to Jesus today, where we find peace, where we find hope, and where we find thankfulness. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So today we're talking about thankfulness and barrenness. And as Americans, we have a long tradition of thankfulness in barren seasons. Uh, consider our national holiday, Thanksgiving, for example. Um, as if you've ever watched the Charlie Brown special, then you know all about Thanksgiving, right? Back in 1621, uh, in Plymouth, uh, Massachusetts, now Massachusetts, The pilgrims had settled, and life there was hard. The forest was dense. It was rocky. It was difficult to get crops to grow. Uh, There were way more native people than they anticipated, and so the land was already kind of occupied. Um, Every family, every pilgrim family that had come over had experienced at least one death, and entire families had even been wiped out by starvation and disease. Life was bleak but the pilgrims worked hard to push back the forest and they worked hard to engage with the native peoples. It was difficult. And on one November day, as the men of the colony had just returned back to Plymouth from hunting, 90 native Wampanoag men show up at the Plymouth colony. Now, Plymouth at this time only had 50 pilgrims there. So 90 men from the Wampanoag tribe uh, probably set, took them off of their guard a little bit. There had been tension and distrust and fear, but it was primarily due to the fact that they couldn't really communicate with the Wampanoag, And so we can't be positive of what they were feeling, but it must have been a tense moment. And so somehow the parties agree to share a feast. And this feast lasts for three days. The pilgrims provided a variety of food and beer, while the Wampanoag brought venison and corn and other vegetables that they were experts at cultivating in that environment. And there was corporate prayer that they shared together and fellowship and feasting and shooting contests and running races and lots of trying to communicate. But what they did understand about one another is that each other, they were very thankful for what they had. They were thankful for their food, they were thankful for the land, and they were growing in thankfulness for one another as they learned to know one another. The celebration of thankfulness back in 1621, in the midst of very hard times, it actually initiated a peace between the pilgrims and the Wampanoag, and it was a peace that lasted for 54 years, 54 years of peace of course, Thanksgiving didn't become a national holiday in 1621 because we weren't a nation in 1621. It wasn't until 1863. And this is during another very barren time for the United States, right in the middle of the bleak and bloody, seemingly endless war of the States or the civil war. Abraham Lincoln declared a national holiday for Americans to turn our hearts to God and to give thanks This is how our Thanksgiving holiday was born, based or modeled after the thankfulness that was demonstrated in a very barren season in the 1620s. It was inaugurated by President Lincoln in the middle of a violent, barren season of war. But the date of Thanksgiving wasn't set by Lincoln. That wouldn't happen for a few decades later. By Franklin Delano Roosevelt in 1942, Again, in the midst of a very barren season, during World War II, Franklin Delano Roosevelt picked the actual date of Thanksgiving, and we've been celebrating Thanksgiving as a nation ever since. It seems that giving thanks to the Lord in hard and barren seasons is an American tradition. But it's not just an American tradition. We see this throughout the Bible, men and women facing difficult seasons, barren seasons with thankfulness. We see it in the life of Noah and Abraham and Moses and Joshua and Elijah and King Jehoshaphat, uh, David, Esther, uh, Jesus' mother Mary, the Apostle John, the Apostle Paul, uh, Silas, and, and many, many other people I'm probably not thinking of right now. But really, it's Jesus that provides the strongest, most poignant picture of thankfulness and barrenness. Because Jesus shows us how to face hardship with a posture of praise. Jesus was fully man and fully God, as as you may know. And so there was some tension just inherent in who he was. As man, he faced temptations and frustrations, as we all do. But as God, Jesus knew he must lay down his life and forego his personal safety and his personal well-being. And so just imagine for a second the tension that existed in the God-man Jesus. The inner battle to submit his temptations and impulses to the Father on a continual basis. See, as God, Jesus didn't really have to give thanks for anything because he created everything, but he did. He continually gave thanks. And as a man, it would be understandable if someone with as much inner turmoil as Jesus must have experienced, if he wasn't really all that thankful. But Jesus was thankful. He had a posture of thankfulness. Not only was Jesus thankful, he demonstrated a pattern of faithful, continual thankfulness in his life. And this pattern is remarkable. And I think it's significant for us right now in this current season of coronavirus barrenness, because Jesus's pattern of thankfulness defined his season of barrenness. And so in our current season of barrenness, it can be easy for us to allow fear to define this season, or to allow cynicism. People are growing cynical of the government and cynical of people's attention. Uh, Criticism can become a defining facet of this. Complacency might be defining some people's seasons right now. And so we take a look today at Jesus's life, and we see that it's marked by thankfulness. Thankfulness to God because Jesus knew and enjoyed the character and the love of God. Because God is love and because God is unchanging and because God is faithful, Jesus was thankful. And thankfulness defined Jesus's life really in two ways. We see throughout Jesus's life, he assumed a posture of thanksgiving and praise in his life. Also, Jesus was always, he was continually thankful. And so we're gonna take a closer look at these two defining characteristics of Jesus's life. First, we're gonna take a look at his posture of thankfulness, and we're going to look at his continual thankfulness. So let's look first at his posture of thankfulness. That's such a, a special phrase. I'm going to ask you to say it out loud, just wherever you're at. Posture of thankfulness. See, when you read the New Testament, you see Jesus is thanking the Father a lot, okay? He, he thanked God for everything, But if if you read the New Testament, you see Jesus thanking God more for food than anything else, just for the daily provision that he had. Now, thanking God for our food, it seems like the simplest thing on earth, but I think maybe that's the point. Listen to how James puts it in James chapter one, verse 17. He says, whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God, our father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. And we, out of all creation, we became his prized possession. James is saying that God never changes. And so church, if, if our gratitude in our life right now is based on life's circumstances, then our gratitude is going to be inconsistent because life's circumstances change. But if our gratitude is based on God who never changes, then our thankfulness is consistent, it's unchanging. And I think that James's point is that God consistently loves and cares for us as a good father, and everything we have comes from him, everything. And so the best response for us as children who are well loved by a faithful father, the best response is thanksgiving. We embrace and enjoy our father God as our hearts overflow with thankfulness as well-loved children. The posture of our life is thankfulness. And Jesus models this posture of thankfulness. Picture this: Jesus, the creator of all sustenance, continually giving thanks to God for simple provisions in his life. And Jesus was thankful for much more than just food. Uh, he was thankful. One of my favorite stories is uh, when, when he expresses his thanks that God has revealed his love to ordinary people. You see this in Matthew chapter 11. Uh, Jesus is in the middle of, of teaching his disciples. And right in the middle of his teaching, he's, it's like he gets distracted and he just starts praising God. We see this in Matthew chapter 11, verse 25. It says, Jesus praised this prayer. Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you, for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever and for revealing them to the childlike. Yes, Father, it pleased you to do it this way. I love it. Right in the middle of his teaching, he's connecting ancient prophecy with the theology of the kingdom of God. And he's he's teaching this to these fishermen, these common people. I just imagine Jesus knows everything. His teaching must have just been awesome. I would have loved to sit under Jesus in this way. And he takes this break. He's distracted. I think maybe he's looking at how rough these fishermen and everyday people are. Maybe he's noticing how their rural accent and and just the simplicity of their manner. Whatever it was, here is Jesus, the King of Kings, pausing his teaching to praise the Father. He couldn't contain his gratitude that the Almighty God would choose to bring the riches of his glory to these people, ordinary people, helpless people fearful people, people who felt stuck. Jesus was praising God for bringing the love of God and the kingdom of God to people like me, broken people, hurting people. Jesus was praising God for bringing his love to people like us, church. I think that uh, there's a deep meaning in this simple pause that we see in Matthew chapter 11. Jesus is taken so far aback by the Father's plan to love on ordinary people that he stops teaching to give thanks and praise God. Uh, as I've been sitting with this passage, I've been amazed that the Lord would let me be a recipient of his grace. I've, I, literally this week, I was shocked that I'm invited to be a participant in God's family and in God's kingdom plan here on earth. Church, I think it is good for us to allow that reality to sink into our hearts. Allow this reality to create in you, to create in us as a people, a thankfulness. And then church, we need to allow that thankfulness to evict fear, to evict a cynical spirit or a critical spirit, to evict a spirit of complacency, anything that has crept into our heart during these difficult times. We need to allow thankfulness, to evict the lesser things in life. The uh, writer of Hebrews encourages us in a very similar way in Hebrews chapter 12, verse one, the second part of the verse, he says, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. He says, and let's run with endurance the race that God set before us. He says, strip away the stuff that's tripping you up. Strip away fear and criticism and cynicism. Strip away complacency. The Lord has a plan for your life. There's a race. There's a a course that's set before you. Church, even in this season of barrenness, and I would say even especially in this season of barrenness, there is a course set for your life. This is not to be a wasted season. This season of barrenness is a part of God's plan for our life. And so we need to posture ourselves for victory in this season by taking a posture of thankfulness turning our eyes to Jesus and thanking him for the new life he's giving us. As the Lord brings thankfulness to our hearts, let's turn that thankfulness to praise. I think we should do that today. Wherever you are in your living room or maybe you're in your car or sitting out on your back patio, just, just to say this out loud. Let's fill our space wherever we are with thanks. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, for providing for my needs. Say that with your family. Thank you, Lord, for loving us so well. Let's allow this season of thankfulness to become our posture. As we evict fear and cynicism and criticism and complacency, let's take a posture of thankfulness as we put our eyes on Jesus in this otherwise barren season. And so we see that that first point. We desire, like Jesus, we desire to assume a posture of thankfulness. But we also... I want to take a look at Jesus' life because we desire to live lives marked by continual thankfulness. Let's say that together continual thankfulness. We continue in thankfulness. See, Jesus' life is marked by his continual thank- thankfulness to the Father. It's good for us to see this because Jesus gave praise to the Father in very barren seasons. Uh, He gave thanks as he was surrounded by thousands of hungry people, and he had almost no food. Uh, Just take a picture of that in your mind for a moment. Jesus surrounded, it says, by 5,000 men. Okay, there were probably at least 10,000 people, if you count women and children that would have been there also, thousands and thousands of hungry people. And when it came time, when everyone was hungry, rather than sending them away to go find food, Jesus has his disciples organize them and gather them into groups of 50 and 100. Now, if you've ever served in junior high ministry, you know that getting groups of people out of a large hungry group of people is almost impossible but that's what they do. Just picture the the chaos and and the frustration and talk about a critical spirit and and people being cynical of leaders in this season, how people were probably going, what is he talking about in groups of 50 or 100? And so he does, he assembles everybody. And as he, he holds up the food, it says above his head, and he gives thanks to God. Now just think about it in this moment. He's standing in front of thousands of people He's expressing public gratitude to the Father for the food they had. These two fish and these five loaves wouldn't have even fed the 12 disciples. What were the people thinking in this moment? What were the disciples thinking? What were the mothers of hungry children thinking in that moment, right? They were were probably going bonkers right then. But see, Jesus continues in thankfulness in the midst of what must have been a very skeptical crowd, a very cynical crowd, a very critical crowd. It was a very barren moment for Jesus. Surrounded by critical people, people were not seeing what Jesus was seeing. And he continues in thankfulness. It was the same with his dear friend, Lazarus. Jesus stands at the entrance to a tomb that reeked like his good friend's decaying body. Jesus had the stone rolled away. Imagine that moment, right? Imagine Lazarus's sisters going, really, Jesus? It's going to smell so bad. You're late. What are you doing? Roll the stone away? Imagine the disciples are probably like, geez, seriously? But look at what Jesus does in this moment. It's found in John chapter 11. Story of Lazarus. And we'll read from verse 41. It says, They rolled the stone aside, Jesus had asked them to. And Jesus looks up to heaven in this moment and he says, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I say this out loud for the sake of all of these people standing here so that they will believe that you sent me. See, Jesus is thanking the Father for his faithfulness to listen, to hear our prayers. He's thankful for God's character, not just for God's acting on our requests. This is, notice, he's expressing thanks before Lazarus rose from the grave. Jesus is praising God for hearing him. See, Jesus was motivated by the Father's character, and his response to the character of the Father is thankfulness. Finally, this is the last example I'll give you. We see Jesus expressing thankfulness to the Father in a very barren, very unlikely circumstance at the dinner table at at his last supper. He expresses thanks to the Father for the bread and the wine that they're about to eat. It says he he held it up. This is very poignant. Jesus living his life from a place of knowing that the cross was always before him. And he received this hard reality throughout his entire life, this seemingly very barren calling for the individual who's called to it and he gives thanks to the Father. And on this last night, as a free man, Jesus thanks the Father as he breaks the bread and he offers the cup. Now, feel the tension of this moment for Jesus here. In his hands are both the horror of his impending death and the fullness of God's love for all of humanity. As the Broken bread represents his body, which would be broken in hours. And the, blood rep- the cup represents the blood, which would be shed in hours. And in this horrific holy moment, Jesus continues in thankfulness to the Father. While feeling the pressure to feed thousands, or while standing at the opening of his friend's tomb, or even the night as he faced unspeakable torture and a horrific death on a cross, Jesus' response was never fear or panic. Jesus never grew cynical or critical, and Jesus was not complacent. He fixed his mind on the character of the Father, and he was thankful, and he found peace. He was even willing to stand alone in his thankfulness. I think for some of us, this is our calling in this season. See, when people around Jesus were gripped in fear, when people around Jesus were becoming cynical and critical, Even when his friends were complacent and sleepy, Jesus continued in thankfulness. And as he continues in thankfulness amidst these barren circumstances, Jesus affects the world around him. God moved through him. We see God do this throughout all of scripture. God moves in and God moves through the thankful hearts. Paul and Silas are a great picture of this. Uh, They'd been beaten and chained in prison and they remember God's character and they assume a posture of thankfulness. In fact, they, they, they assumed a posture of thankfulness which led to praise and to worship right there in prison in chains and they affected the world around them. Prison doors opened, chains fell off. The prison guard is about to kill himself. All of reality was shaken and turned upside down and in that moment, entire families turned to trust in God and were saved. It says that night, then jailer's entire family was baptized. What's going on here? Well, Paul and Silas's thankfulness affected the world around them. God moved in them and God moved through them. Listen, church, in this season, this is a significant point for us to embrace and to receive. This is how God operates. God is always working in us to affect the world around us. Our attitude affects the world around us. Our thankfulness changes the spiritual climate around us. In the midst of this season of uncertainty, in the midst of this coronavirus barrenness, church, we can be certain about the character and the faithfulness and the goodness of God. Even if that's the only thing that you're certain of today, even if we stand alone in this certainty, if the world around you is being shaken by fear or criticism or, or is becoming very cynical, stand on the faithfulness of God and allow God to give you a thankfulness for who he is. Christian, God is working in you today to affect the world around you right now. The Spirit is working today to show you the love of God and the faithfulness of God. And he does this by showing you Jesus. The Holy Spirit is working in you today. And God is faithful in every season. So we can be thankful in every season, even seasons of barrenness. But listen, it's not easy to be thankful. It's not easy to be thankful, especially in seasons of great difficulty. But thankfulness in hard times It turns our heart toward God. And thankfulness in hard times, it affects the world around us. We'll never walk in thankfulness if we're looking for contentment in life's circumstances. The key to thankfulness in hard times is to focus on the eternal character of God and not on our circumstances. This is how Jesus found a place of gratitude, even in difficult, barren times. He set his heart and his mind and his eyes on the eternal, unchanging character of God. And he walked in thankfulness in the midst of barrenness. Listen, church, we can do the same. We can walk in thankfulness. We can walk in peace, even in the midst of barrenness. And so let's pray Church, Let's pray this weekend for men and women, for families, for our hearts, that we would have the grace and Holy Spirit power to follow after Jesus and to walk in thankfulness as we set our hearts and our mind and our eyes on the never-changing character of God in these ever-changing times that we live in right now. Let's walk in the same freedom, joy, and thankfulness that Jesus walked in. As we walk in the same freedom, joy, and thankfulness, that we read in that passage in Habakkuk, chapter three, verse 17. Even though the fig tree has no blossoms, even though there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. Churches, we know and enjoy the unchanging character of God. We can enjoy the thankfulness of God in our hearts. We can practice thankfulness in this barren season. We can share thankfulness in this barren season. Maybe today, maybe today you want to connect with God. You don't even know God. Like Brian was talking about that live link. Just click in that live link below. We want to connect you with people that want to share about God. If you have a prayer request today, click that. We we want to pray with you. We want to hear your request. But right now, we're going to worship God. We're going to respond in worship to draw near to God, to declare truth about God, to declare our thankfulness for God's faithfulness and God's goodness. God is with you, Christian, right where you are. And God is moving in the midst of your life right now. Even if it feels like a barren season, God is on the move and he's working in the midst of your situation right now. And he's powerful. God is faithful, God is able, and God is willing to move and work in you and to work through you to affect the world around you. Let's fill our hearts and our homes and our neighborhoods this morning with thankfulness and praise as we worship God now. Let's pray. Father, we do express our thankfulness to you We thank you, God, for your unchanging character. God, you are faithful, faithful to love us, faithful to lead us. In the midst of a hard season where our tendency is either toward fear or prideful cynicism or criticism of the government or complacency, as this seems to go on and on, we grow weary It is good for us today to take our eyes off of circumstance and to put our eyes on Jesus where we see the unchanging love and purpose of the Father. Thank you, God, that you have a purpose for us in this season of barrenness. Help us, Lord, as the church, to embrace this season, to rejoice in the God of our salvation, And we ask you God as our thankfulness as a a thankful heart and thankful spirit wells up within us Lord that you would use our thankfulness by the power of your spirit to affect and change the world around us. We do this now God submit these requests to you and exalt you now because you are worthy of our praise. We pray all of these things in Jesus name. Amen.